Hi, Black, South by Southwest Interactive, day three. I'm here for Chicago Made, Illinois Entertainer, and Dynasty Podcast, and I'm here with Chaz Ebert. How are you doing today? I am great, Jaime. I am here uh, at the Chicago Made booth because I love all things Chicago. I think that our city is a great destination for, for tech, for cultural things. You know, my husband Roger Ebert and his partner Gene Siskel did their show there many years and um, there are just so many things on the on the in, in the cultural scene in Chicago going on now that yeah. I'm, I'm really happy to and and by the way oh you know what it's probably going to be too late to say that I was going to say well I'm also going to act as an ambassador today at the booth and 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 host a happy hour from 4 to 6 p.m. so yeah, it's very exciting. So we're here at the trade show booth for Chicago Made. It's the second year in a row that they've headed at South by Southwest. And there's a lot of great Chicago talent, makers, ambassadors, industry, just really talented Chicagoans coming through here for the next few days. So, it, yeah, it's very exciting that you're going to be hosting here. Let's talk about South by for a second. I know that you've obviously been coming here for years. Was this the first year you were a panelist? or? Uh, no, I, may, maybe it is. You know, I've been coming for so many years that I've actually forgotten. But... This festival has, this used to be a very small festival, believe it or not, and now it's like one of the premier festivals in the, not just in the country, in the world. Uh, We started off on the film side, and then we saw the interactive come in, and then the music fest, and they all joined together, and now this is just a behemoth uh, undertaking. It's, It's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, what are you excited about at this year's South By? Kind of what, you know, obviously you had your panel. We're going to talk about the panel in just a moment. But just attending as as a fan, as a patron, you know, what's what's on your radar? Well, first of all, I like the scene in Austin because we're walking around and instead of taking taxi cabs or even Uber or anything, we've been utilizing these pedicabs where the guys are, the women and the men are peddling us uh, in little carts and taking us everywhere around the city, and that's something that you don't see very often. Also, there's a scene, you know, where they just have the streets closed off, and you walk down the street, and there's music everywhere, and people hanging out, and uh, I'm eating their their uh, pork and beef little, I don't even know what they are, but they're really some good Texas specialty that I've been just having fun. And you know what? I think, I, I just love Austin, and, 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 and it's fun to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you had a panel yesterday. I was able to attend it. It was a great discussion. It was called The Future of Film Criticism, Diversify or Die. Um, from your end, what was that panel like, and, and kind of what were your goals going into that discussion? Well, first of all, I think that, as I said on the panel, diversity is not just a kumbaya to make people feel good. Diversity actually helps to raise the consciousness of, of society and diversity helps evolve uh, that, that, that evolution of, of consciousness. And so how can you have a world where you have that is so diverse in the United States without having people who write about it? It's, when you talk about the film world, you must have critics who sort of mirror the population. So we need, you know, my husband, um, Siskel and Ebert, they were great, and they did open the doors to a lot of people. Roger uh, really believed in diversity, and so at RogerEbert.com, we have 
we, we did open the door to, we have far-flung correspondents, critics from other countries, we have women critics, we have uh, African-American critics. Even we could do more. We, have, we had critics of different abilities, you know. We had one critic who called himself smart-ass cripple, and he wrote about the world and about film and about things from the viewpoint of someone who had a physical disability. Just, it, it's just important to me to continue that work. Well, I mean, especially, you know, just going off what you're saying, it's like we do live, we've always lived in a diverse world, but now with the advent of the Internet, with everything being an open platform and everyone having a voice, it's become very clear that, like, now everyone's starting to realize it's a diverse world, and it's very important that that is represented. So, yeah, I, I do see that happening with the site, and I do think it's really exciting. Kind of when did that initiative really start where you guys really started looking to bring in a broader range of contributors? You know, the thing that's, that's uh, interesting is we started the website in 2002. The Sun-Times was our partner initially, and then we went independent in 2013. I mean, we still do things with the Sun-Times. But one of our missions when we went independent in 2013 was to start bringing in more diverse critics, not just from um, a, um, a racial standpoint, but just so that, you know, Roger was pretty much carrying the whole load. And, and we knew in, you know, when we first started going in, you know, um, switching over to an independent um, platform, we didn't know that Roger's cancer was going to recur. So we had already started this process of looking around at other critics. And it was only after he passed away that I made a really big push to get him. So we, I have so many, I, I'm so fortunate that we maintain the high quality of RogerEbert.com, that critics come to us all the time who want to write to us. So we're very fortunate to have a very high level of writers who write for us for the website. Yeah. Well, you know, the website, I have a couple questions about that, and I definitely want to ask about that. I, on my list, I have Chicago kind of as a topic next, but we're going to circle back to the website because there's a lot of really cool things going on. But on the website, on RogerEbert.com, you had a blog post about your South by Southwest um, you know, plans and what you were going to be doing, the panel, and also being here at the booth. There was a quote of yours I really liked that I want to read. It said, Kanye's first gigs didn't sell out the United Center. Groupon was not worth billions the day it was founded. Siskel and Ebert started out on one station before becoming international film critics. But from humble beginnings is how every great Chicago story starts, whether it's Pitchfork or Lollapalooza. I can't wait to see how fresh innovations... I can't wait to see the fresh innovations being cooked up at the Chicago scene at South by Southwest. Um, so building off that, which I, I love the spirit of that statement, you know, what does it mean to you to be a Chicago maker or a Chicago creative or an entrepreneur? What sets uh, Chicago talent apart? First of all, I, I, I love that quote too, but I have to give someone else partial credit because I got the idea of what somebody wrote about Kanye not, you know, doing it right away and Groupon not being a billionaire and I added the Siskel and Ebert and I added my own part to it but it's like a collaboration. It's like what we do in Chicago, we collaborate. And so I can't take credit for the entire quote, but yes, I do think that I like being uh, an influencer in Chicago. I, I was never as much of a, you know, a, a tech geek as, as Roger was, but it was something that I was interested in. And I've always been interested in film as well, and I've always been interested in entrepreneurial things. So all of those things, I think that we were attracted to each other because we both had those interests. Now I have this interest in women in the gaming world. 
And even though I know people thought that Roger was, you know, he had a um, this uh, dust up with the gaming world saying that games could never be art. They thought that that meant he wasn't, Roger was actually a gamer. And what people don't know is before he passed away, we had started making plans to do more things in that world. And so, but what I would like to do is do something where I can help open the door for more women in that world and uh, in, in Chicago, more urban kids in that world. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, and maybe some people have some ideas that I can, but I really want to, to do something, and I would like to start, do that in Chicago. I do think that Chicago could, is a great hub. All the companies, I mean, you know, when you talk about something like Grubhub and Lollapalooza and Pitchfork and Groupon and I think even um, Cards Against Humanity, I, I mean, those things people don't know. Those are ideas that started in Chicago. And people think, what? I mean, you, you're sure that this wasn't something that came from Silicon Valley? No, right from Chicago. And there are so many. I, I love the, you know, 1871. And uh, I love all of the things that we're doing there. And I, and I hope that, you know, I'm just a... I hope that it's not too late for me to help make a difference and contribute in some way as well. Oh my gosh, not at all, not at all, absolutely. I mean, you know, being on that panel, having the website, and it's, it's really interesting because, you know, the statement that, you know, partially attributed to you and, and, and more people, but what you're talking about at Kanye and all these people not starting out as they are. I teach at Columbia College, I teach an entrepreneurial class, and I tell my students, I'm like, Barack Obama was not born the president, Kanye West did not. You know, he wasn't born selling out the United Center. These are human beings who live on our planet, who came from our city, who went on to conquer the world. And it's I, I really believe in that same spirit that, like, especially if you're young in Chicago now, they have all these platforms and all these tools, right? Right, absolutely. I mean, and you're getting me excited just talking about that. That is that is so, and that's what I try to tell. And I don't, and I, I don't say just young people. I say emerging because there are some people who are older who felt that they didn't have, maybe they took on careers um, to earn money for them, for their family, them and the, their, themselves and their families, and now they, you know, they always had an interest in the, in the tech world, but maybe didn't have the opportunity. They're coming back, so it's, there's so many, I think, a convergence. And you know, and I have to tell you, the other thing I'm so excited about, a con one of the panels that I attended here was the SGN um, Games uh, panel. I'm very interested in the convergence of technology, gaming, social media, and filmmaking world. And there's a project that I would like to do, and I would actually, I hope I have a chance to get it started in Chicago, but I'm, I'm so, and we have the talent there to do it, and we actually have the venture capitalists there to support it if it's something that they think that, that's worthy. But I, I, you know, I just think it's an exciting, exciting time. Chicago made is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, is the initiative we're here for. Going back to the website, because it is a really great website, RogerEbert.com is the site where there's a lot happening. Uh, and, it, and it continues to be such a content-rich site. It is not a site where the work ended, you know, when, when Roger passed away. Uh, what are the goals in continuing the conversation with that website and, and continuing the spirit of that discussion? Well, Roger always called me the ideas lady uh, because I have so many ideas and I get so excited about um, so many things and I try and I try to harness them and keep them focused. But I have so many ways that I would like to expand the site, both in a aesthetic way, in a technical way. But the thing I work for 
number one every day is keeping the content high. The quality of the writing to me drives everything and that's one of the things that sets us apart from other sites. I would like to do more things. I'd like to do more philanthropic things, more entrepreneurial things, but um, I have a lot of ideas So to keep our site fresh and um, you know, I can't share them all today, but you know, I just say stay tuned and you drop in at rogerebert.com. Every day you'll see something different. Yeah, and you have a blog there as well. In addition to the movie reviews and the news and kind of updates, what, what kind of tone or what kind of content are you bringing to your blog, you know, where it's your distinct voice on the site? One of the things that I, I did for the, the, for the first year after Roger passed away, every few months I would write a blog about sort of people would say, well, give us, update your status. What are you doing? How are you doing? I had never been a widow before, so, you know, people wanted to know how is that. And so it was really weird writing. I don't really like writing that much personal stuff about myself, but it was a way to, to, to help me get through my grieving process. And also because we had a movie out, Life Itself, the movie about Roger's life, we were promoting, and so it made sense to write about that stuff. Now I'm trying to write about a little bit more about other people, you know, some people who are in the film world, indie filmmakers or documentary filmmakers who have Kickstarter campaigns or Indiegogo campaigns, I try to highlight that. Or if that's somebody doing something good in the world, I try to highlight that. I have a uh, foundation, the Roger and Chaz Ebert Foundation, and we are supporting, we are, I'm endowing Ebert fellowships in different places, and I try to highlight the writing, like we just, I just, for Black History Month, the Chicago Urban League and Columbia College through their Columbia Links journalism program had these students and what we, we did, they went to see movies and then we had them write reviews that I posted on RogerEbert.com and this was great to take. Some of them were high school students, some of them were college students and they loved seeing their reviews on our on its professional website and I had my professional editors proofread and edit their works to put them out there and uh, I loved reading those students reviews and and I you know this this anyway now see you this is what gets me excited philanthropy this is what I love helping emerging writers helping emerging filmmakers make a difference in their life that's what gets me that's the most the most exciting thing to me Absolutely, and, and it really continues the legacy as well. And, and, you know, on that note, you have Ebert Fest happening next month in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, what's on deck for the festival? I think it's the 17th year now? Yes, this is the set. I cannot believe that it's been 17 years, but, yeah, this is the 17th year of Ebert Fest, and we are, um, this year it's April 15th through the 19th. We are opening with a, a 3D movie for the first time in our 17 years. And someone said, but Roger hated 3D movies. Why are you doing that? I said, no, if you really re read him carefully, it's not that he hated 3D movies. He just didn't like to use 3D when he felt that a 2D movie could do it better. He didn't like 3D used as just a gimmick or just to charge people more money to see a movie. He said, technically, there are some things that you could present in 3D that were better, for instance, he supported, you know, James Cameron's Avatar movie, uh, Martin Scorsese's Hugo, uh, Werner Herzog's Cave of the Forgotten Dream. Those were all in 3D. And Roger would have been thrilled to see what Godard does 
with goodbye to language with 3D. I think he, because Roger was a techie, so he would have loved it. So we're opening with a 3D movie for the first time in 17 years. So I'm trying to do things to maintain Roger's legacy, but also that contemporize what we do because I like keeping things fresh, and so did Roger. Um, we also have um, Chaz, Palm, and Ter Terry coming with a Bronx Tale, and we haven't released all the other names yet, but we will be releasing them, I hope, next week because we have a great lineup. People continue to support our film festival, and that means so much to me that um, film, well, you know what? It's a great film festival. Chaz Ebert, the website is rogerebert.com. So much in the works, so much going on. Thank you so much for taking some time here for Chicago Made Illinois Entertainer Dynasty Podcast. This was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You know what? I forgot. I have to Chicago Made. I'm only seeing one movie at the festival here at South by Southwest, and I saw it this morning. It's a movie about Mavis Staples, who is from the Staples Singers, who's also Chicago Made. As Chicago as it gets. Yes. And I have to tell you this really quickly. People talk about, you know, somebody being a badass. Well, Mavis Staples is 75 years old. She is a badass. She is still doing it. She's out there kicking and doing it and still singing her heart out. And I loved that movie about Mavis Staples. So Chicago, she's Chicago made. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Thank okay. you.